This KPCT podcast sponsored by Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior. Get the details on our professional dog trainers program. We develop, certify, and support excellent teachers and trainers. Visit www.karenpryoracademy.com or call 800-472-5425. That's 800-472-5425. Uh, uh, in some of the sessions, uh, the trainers have recommended that in order to, oh, this is good, in order to help a dog generalize a behavior to new environments, they should, they might ease that process by uh, using a mat or a, and moving that mat from environment to environment, for example. Um, will, is that a process that needs to be repeated over and over again for every new environment, or do the animals learn to generalize uh, once you have used that a few times? I, I think my, my, my experience has been that if you have something familiar, it certainly can help make an animal comfortable in new surroundings. That doesn't mean, however, that you don't have to desensitize them to new things. If all you ever do is desensitize them to the, to the mat in every room of your house, but then you go to some environment where there are distractions, it, it's, it's not going to be as, as successful. But like with all desensitization, I think the more variety of things you expose them to, movement, sounds, different locations, different numbers of people, their comfort level will increase and you can frequently go to brand new situations and see very comfortable reactions from the animal because you have taken the time to get them used to this one mat and gotten them comfortable by moving from place to place. I think there's a mistake if you think that getting the dog comfortable on a mat and then you can take the mat anywhere and they will all automatically be good, that's not being very realistic. But is it a helpful tool? Yes. But that you still can't skip over all those other desensitization processes, otherwise you're still going to probably have some problems. Um, and I, did, I kind of look at it from a different perspective because you can also, I'm always thinking behavior modification because I work with such aggressive animals. But if we've got a dog who's aggressive at the front door, of course, we always tell them to start practicing at the garage door where they haven't had a bad experience. So keep in mind, when you're talking about generalization, it can go both ways. You can definitely use it to your benefit. Um, if we've got, if you have to do just a bad, you know, medical procedure on a dog and there's nothing you can do about it, it's going to be bad, I tell them to take it to a room where it's going to be the bad room and you use the bad technician. <laughs> Who's the evil bad technician? You see that technician coming, you know it's not gonna be good. But at least then you can save that so you don't cross over. So the generalization can work both ways. So I just wanna throw that out there. That's a and, and actually, I, I'm gonna prompt one of my other panel members to respond to this because this particular panel member mm -hmm. makes a living of taking things from a training context and then putting them into the real world in a life and death situation. <laughs> because for you, this generalization of behavior in the real world is its the make or break it, for you. It's, yeah, it's uh, obviously in guide dog work, uh, it's really important that you're dealing with behaviors that the dog understands fully before you introduce them to life and death situations. So uh, a simple example which most people think of in guide dog work is intelligent disobedience for traffic safety. And if we teach that in a real life and death situation, we get 
a negative association with traffic, you'll be safe, but he's never going to enter the street. Why would he enter the street? <laughs> it's dangerous out there. So we have to go through a process of teaching them the behavior mechanics we want to respond to a vehicle that's too close to the team. So those behavior mechanics are options of stopping, backing up further because it's too close by still facing the adversary, or speeding up because it's too close behind you. So once the dog has those behavior mechanics, and it's a game, it's a game learning those behavior mechanics, we then, which they've already been generalized to the world, they've been obviously socialized around heavy traffic, but not until they know those mechanics would we then introduce that situation. So uh, it becomes more serious to the guide dog, and that's a step that we need to go through for them to realize it isn't a total game. It, it, there is reality to the safety issue. But if you introduce that reality, just like if you, know, you have to do a medical procedure, you know you're going to have a negative reaction to that. Uh, so we have to make sure that we don't have that, otherwise the dog might say, you know what, this is too hard, I'm not going to cross the street as a guide dog, and then the dog doesn't make it as a guide. Interestingly enough, when they're taken out of harness, they're fine. So it just shows you the context of being in harness. You can, you can teach a dog very quickly to be scared of traffic in harness. And that's how they learned. It was like, wow, this job's hard and it's dangerous. You take them out of harness, that same dog will get run over. <laughs> so it, it is very interesting. That's a good example of context. Yes. Huh. The, yeah, nice. Aaron said, huh? Oh. I said, huh? That's what I get to say on that. That's unbelievable. Aaron, let me, there is, uh, the, there is an article that is called the... Implicit technology of generalization, and in that article, there are list nine techniques to generalize. And the first one is not actually a technique; it's what we do a lot. We train and hope for generalization, <laughs> and that's the wrong thing. That's the wrong thing to do. That's totally. I think that generalization is. Um, now is probably people are ready to throw it away from the textbooks because it's a explanatory fiction. It's a what picture? Explanatory fiction that if the dog does it, oh, my dog generalized. If he doesn't do it, oh, he didn't generalize. And say, what is that, you know? And uh, so it's better to be proactive. It's better not to expect generalization. And like Michelle does it, is. Um, Pursue it actively, and yes, there are techniques like the one, like the mat, is 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 called uh, bring common stimulus from one setting to the other. Another technique that is called train loosely, like uh, one thing that uh, that doesn't help generalization. If you are very stereotypic in the way that you train, then you change a little bit, and the dog is thoroughly lost. So to change positions, hats, and all kind of things, be more relaxed about your training. And the other is just the, the ones is trained to generalize. Uh, think of generalization as raising criteria rather than expecting, expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's the article, Jesus? And the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis, and uh, you can get it for free in, um, what is it? Um, what is this? The PodMed. Yeah. The Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis, which is available free in, in what? Yeah. 
Podman, and it's 1977. So with the year and those. Thank you. Good. Be nice to have it. Maybe we'll have a little presentation on generalization and and that the future Clucker Expo. Yes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This KPCT podcast sponsored by Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior. Get the details on our professional dog trainers program. We develop, certify, and support excellent teachers and trainers. Visit www.karenpryoracademy.com or call 800-472-5425. That's 800-472-5425.